Hey, Zach, how do you like your storytelling? Why I like my storytelling like I like my coffee. In the form of music? Yes. Come on, just try it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Just Try It, the podcast where two friends try to broaden their horizons with the hopes that you might expand yours. I am Gabriel Clark. I am the one who's meant to rule the dark. Joined by me, as always, the one who is meant to see the sun. The one, the only, Simply Zalp, Zach Blaze. Zach, we listened to some music this week. We did listen to some music. I'm, I'm glad you came up with nicknames because those were a lot better than mine. I, I, you know what? I, I was practicing on the way home from work. I was practicing saying that over and over again because I knew I was going to fuck it up <laughs> if I didn't otherwise. So this week, we both listened to a concept album that we had never heard before. Uh, concept albums are albums, um, bodies of music that encompass recurring themes or maybe just straight up tell a story with characters and and a rising action and falling action and a climax and a conclusion. So... Zach, what did I have you listen to this week? You had me listen to Razia's Shadow, a musical by Forgive Durden, which is a band I have never heard of. It's Razia's Shadow, so Razia's strike one Shadow. there. Razia's <laughs> Shadow, yep. Razia's Shadow. Razia's Shadow. Did you hear Kurt Angle call Jinder Mahal Jinder Mahal? No. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, and I listened to, um, I listened to In the Aeroplane Over the Sea, by Neutral Milk Hotel. Now, you're going to tell me it's or, isn't it? It's actually Eroplane. So strike Eroplane. <laughs> I'm like, no. Uh, we fucked up tremendously. So you had me listen to Razia's Shadow, which I had never heard of. I had you listen to Aeroplane Over the Sea, which is widely believed to be, like, the best album of the 90s, period, by a lot of people. So I'm interested to see what you thought of it. Yeah, let's uh let's take a quick break and I'll start with my thoughts on in the aeroplane. So the aeroplane. So we'll be right the back. Aeroplane. And we're back. Aeroplane. Aeroplane. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing that entire time. Um, I listened to In the Aeroplane <laughs> In the Aeroplane Over the Sea by Neutral Milk Hotel, which is a band that a lot of people have talked about. A lot of people have hyped up this record and this band. Uh, this was a concept album of which concept I wasn't sure upon first listen. It came out in 1998 to widespread universal acclaim from critic and commercial alike. Uh, Zach, what can you tell me about this album? So I, I was alive in 1998. I was a small, impressionable child. Um, I actually didn't listen to this album until, like, I was in my angsty teen years, um, mid-2000s. Oh, that sounds perfect. It was great. Um, right for the picking. So Aeroplane is an album by Nutramilk Hotel, which is a... Uh, I don't know what I would... They're, they're definitely an indie band. Um, this you is a very kind of... They're, they're an indie band that deal in what i would call lo-fi music yeah um, it's it's very crunchy very punchy uh, yeah driving rock and roll music for There's a, a lot, large portion it, of this album it almost sounds like it's kind of compressed purposefully um and it gives it kind of that diy you know we're a tiny indie band based out of seattle or wherever yeah. they are i forget louisiana um 
if you listen to uh, On Avery Island is another album that's like even more so. It just sounds like somebody's trying to play it through their their iPhone speakers. Now, um, this is kind of like a band, sort of like um, the Smashing Pumpkins has Billy Corgan, who will go in, write all the music, and then he'll bring in the other band members to just essentially record what he's composed. Um, I believe this is kind of the same way with a guy named Jeff Mangum. Jeff Mangum, yeah. Um, yeah, he's kind of, he's, he's the front man of this band. Um, he's the person who wrote this, and I think we'll get to it a little later when we talk about the the concept of the album the theme of the album um he pretty also, much he, go ahead certified fucking weirdo am i right am i right well so i i he's got a story behind him he he was in Nutramilk hotel he was the front man he had um on avery island was their first album and then Nutramil- or and, um and then aeroplane was kind of their their giant hit yeah. Um, and after this, uh, Jeff Mangum kind of got burnt out almost. He, he kind of had, I don't want to say a nervous break, but he, he definitely was under a lot of stress. He stopped performing. Um, he did a couple of solo shows later and he kind of came back into the spotlight a little, um, I think a few years ago they did a, a, a neutral milk hotel reunion. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, it sounds yeah, like he's definitely... The... He's definitely, I think, your your stereotypical indie personality. Yeah, this this sounds very familiar to bands like American Football, who um, have a giant first record and then realize they don't want to do this anymore, so they kind of stop. Right. They they right, just quit. Right. Um, it's a lot so, of stress. I, I I wouldn't want to. Yeah, it's like I mean, after you have the album of the '90s, you know, and I keep saying that I would have to find the references, but I mean, look at Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain put out Nevermind and nobody could leave him alone, you know, like, right. He couldn't get a moment's fucking peace. So, um, I told, I don't blame Jeff Mangum at all for doing what he had to do. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how I, my thoughts on the album itself. Um, so I think, uh, the first thing I want to do is I want to, um, praise the production of this record. You said it was very lo-fi, but also, um, a lot of the sim- the orchestral elements um, were very crisp and and bright and very a lot very forward in the mix, very prominent. So that even when they kind of were um, smushed up alongside the the lo-fi stuff, everything you could there was a lot of clarity. Um, I will say take some criticism in the mixing of Jeff Mangum's vocals because once that lo-fi hits, I have no fucking clue what he's saying mm-hmm. half the um, time. And I think I told you. Um... I'm going to drop track names. Please look these up on Spotify or whatever service you use. Um, King of Carrot Flowers Part 3, I think, is super, super crunchy. Like, to the point where I, I've heard live versions where he, he sings, uh, band. <laughs> like, it's... He didn't necessarily have anything there. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, there were some tracks I did like. Um, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea, the titular track was very good. Yes. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for that solo guitar. Um, he's got a little bit of Colin Malloy from the Decembers in his voice and his delivery. Uh, yeah, and, definitely. And his, um, oh, what's it called? His his dialect? His tomba. His tamba. Tamba. That's for you music aficionados out there. Um, so... 
lyrically, this this album is really all over the place. Um, you go from a song like Two Headed Boy to a song, what is it? Uh, you, you were very quick to be like, oh, that's not part of the concept, but it's like, semen covers the mountaintops. <laughs> oh yeah, Com- Communist Daughter is... They, there's a lot of references to semen, and I, I don't I don't think that ties into the concept, but like it's obviously a theme. Um, I guess what I get from this, and by the way, this is still like one of my favorite albums. I, I don't listen to it regularly, but um, it's it's definitely a very intimate album. Um, there's a lot of kind of I'll say sensual. There's a lot of kind of sexual or pseudo sexual. Yeah, it's it's very clear that um, whoever he's talking to, um, the the Jeff Mangum has a very strong. He feels a very strong connection or a strong bond towards, and he feels comfortable sharing, you know, some stuff that you may not share with people who you aren't trying to smash. Like I don't know, right? Um, which well, which gets is... into a question you asked. You you listen to this and you said, Zach, what is the concept of this? I don't understand. So we took to our our good friend Wikipedia. Shoutouts to Wikipedia uh, for coming through on this. Um, this album is about Anne Frank. The mm-hmm. um, around the time that he was writing and recording this album, he was li- he was reading the book, The Diary of Anne Frank. Uh, I have a quote from this the an interview that he gave surrounding the themes and the concept of in the aeroplane uh, that I will read to you now. Uh, Music, please. Quote, While I was reading the book, she was completely alive to me. I pretty much knew what was going to happen. But that's the thing. You love people because you know their story. You have sympathy for people even when they do stupid things because you know where they're coming from. You understand where they're at in their head. So here I am, as deep as you can go in someone's head, in some ways deeper than you can go with someone you know in the flesh. And then at the end, comma, she gets disposed like a piece of trash. I would go to bed every night and have dreams about having a time machine, having the ability to move through time and space freely and save Anne Frank. Do you think that's embarrassing? End quote. Um, uh, Jeff, to answer your question there at the end, maybe a little... I mean, he does refer to, like, ha- wanting to have a time machine at least once or twice towards the end of the album. Yeah, explicitly. If you go, uh, Oh, Come Lays the Track. Yes. He's saying, okay. I-, I wish I could save her in some sort of time machine. Um, um, but, yeah, that kind of gets back to to that intimacy we were talking about. Like, he very clearly feels this bond with her and kind of understands, like, you know, obviously, in retrospect, we know so much about her. And it's it's easy to see her situation say like, God, I wish I could have done something. I wish I could do something. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, I think that that's something that resonated with a lot of listeners um, who, you know, I mean, we kind of live in a time where we kind of project, we, we grew up kind of emotionally stilted. We project sort of like this image of ourselves or this like baked up version of ourselves that spouts pop culture references and tips for the sake of tipping um, when they go out to eat. They, they, you, we really don't know each other, it feels like, a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have something so brash and so blunt for someone to say, like, this, I am I am confident, I know you. I, I know you, you know what I mean? Right, um, right. I kind of really know where I'm going with that. 
Um, well, so I, I, on the other end of that kind of intimacy, um, you asked me a question about halfway through listening to this album. And you went on Facebook and you said, Zach, is Jeff Mangum some sort of sex pervert? I mean... And and that's... I So let me let me address the elephant in the room. Did you like this album? No. Okay. <laughs> Overall, um, there were some two-headed boy parts one and two were excellent. In the Aeroplane Over the Sea, excellent. The rest of the album I couldn't understand uh, because of the stylistic choices that... Um, Neutral Milk Hotel make with their approach to music. So overall, no, I did not care for this album. And and I think it sounds like, and I'll, I'll let you confirm this now, it sounds like it did make you uncomfortable at points, like listening to this pretty, I, I, I'll say sexual lyricism, you know, talking about semen all over the place and like running your fingers through the notches in your spine. Yeah, like initially... Um, I was just kind of weirded out. It was just like, yo, that's, that's, a, that's not a, a good image. Whatever. Right. Uh, it's your music. It's your life. You know, live your best life, I guess. But then when I found out it was about Anne Frank and he was saying shit like that, then that's when I started to get uncomfortable. Um, right, uh, right. You, you went back for a second listen and I just, I for I for went that on that principle alone. So, yeah. Um, you know, there's some standout spots from this, but overall, I didn't really care for it okay so you just don't like the best album of the 1990s i guess that's okay Uh, no um (laughs) yeah because it's it's not okay computer um that's why uh anyway Uh, hot take um so we're gonna take a quick break uh and we're gonna um (laughs) talk about something someone else tried before we get into our thoughts on oh we certainly are uh this is good you're gonna like this don't go anywhere we're back um so zach this segment is called someone else tried it uh it is about uh, we take something relatively close to our thing that we did for the week and then we uh find something that somebody else tried uh relating to that so uh i'm gonna take you back to april fool's day 2016 um and on soundcloud uh a mixtape drops a five track mixtape uh called watch the stove this was um, a mixtape that was that it was composed by a bunch of different up and coming hip hop artists from um, the Great Lakes area. Uh, these um, were all each each track was done by a different producer and a different performance artist um, that was commissioned and paid for by Hamburger Helper. Hamburger Helper, you know the General Mills brand product, that of- famous oven mitt. <laughs> of instant meals that you just you dump it in the, the pan and then you put some water in you let that shit simmer for 10 minutes and then you've got dinner um a mixtape a mixtape um <laughs> with a name parodying the 2011 album watch the throne that was done by jay-z and kanye west oh i didn't um, know that that's good yeah it's uh it's it's it even like even the the if you compare the album covers um pretty good pretty good overall um the Mixtape received critical acclaim uh, from critics and listeners alike. Um, Four million hits within the first three (laughs) days, I think. 
For um, a joke album. For a joke album. Like a legitimately good one at that. Um, so I, I went and read an interview uh, with some of the marketing team from Hamburger Helper. This was like five or six people. Um, a lot of their research showed that the target demographic that they had um, was um, men between the ages of 18 and 25 who, you know, were living in college and needed something quick to whip up. So sure. uh, they that was their primary consumer base. So they a lot of their tweets from Twitter um, kind of catered toward this audience. Uh, but they pitched this idea several months before it even released. Um, and the folks at General Mills were just like, we trust you. You know, let's listen to the... It's the one time that like a corporate brand... You know how like sometimes they'll post shit on Facebook and they'll like use an outdated meme that hasn't right. been fresh in like six months to try and cater to that audience. Because um, it's probably got to go through like a focus group or three before it can yeah, be released. Yeah. Uh, this was one of the rare situations in which a company just kind of let them do their thing and let them, you know, reach out to these trendsetters and these uh, hip hop artists. And um, they just they paid them for their work and they were just like, listen, just write a song about Hamburger Helper. You know, there <laughs> there was there was little corporate interference when it came to putting this mixtape together. Mm -hmm. um, you can listen to it all on YouTube. Um, if you go to SoundCloud I, if you're if it's still around after this point, I did read an article that said that SoundCloud has enough money to pay its employees for 50 more days before they go bankrupt. So uh, if it's still there, you can listen to it on SoundCloud. Here's a clip just to tantalize you. I've been in the kitchen, whipping, whipping. I've been chefing, mix it with my left hand. Water whipping and I'm stirring. It's it's crazy that like I don't know anything about this particular genre of music. I'm I'm not well versed in it. Yeah. It's pretty good. Like I wouldn't complain listening to it. Yeah, it's I and I, I like I find myself dancing at the bus stop waiting to go home listening to this. Like listening to the I, hamburger helper song. In Abe with it in the kitchen. Abe Shaffin Shaff it. It's pretty good. Uh go listen to it. It's it's funny that you kinda mentioned that corporate hands-off approach because there's almost like a second wave of that coming through now with um let's say wendy's um arby's has it yeah um, they've they have a strong grasp on uh, geek culture right now the, yeah they get it and i it's i, I want to say like you know this is somebody tried this and it was hamburger helper and it worked um and now arby's and wendy's and totino's are all doing these like avant-garde weird millennial bullshit humor things and they're working denny's as well yeah if you go to denny's tumblr it's mm -hmm. absolutely wild um so yeah someone else tried it it was pretty good um, it worked we're gonna take another quick break before we go into uh zach discussing razia's shadow razia's shadow whatever razia's shadow razia's shadow we'll be right back we'll be right back
Welcome back to the show, Zach. Oh, we're here. Oh, we're here. Uh, Zach, tell me about Razia Shadow. Well, it's an album. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> um, Razia Shadow is an album. It is by Forgive Durden, which I have never heard of. Um, it is, I'm going to read just from uh, Wikipedia here. It is a musical featuring members of popular bands such as Saves the Day, Panic of the Disco, Say Anything, The Matches, Me Without You, Portugal, The Man, The Hush Sound, An Angle, The Deer Hunter, and Gatsby's American Dream. I've heard of two of those. Um, so let me let me uh, paint a picture for you really quick. Um, it's, the, it's the year 2007. Um, Forgive Durden is on the label Fueled by Ramen, which... Uh, saw the rise of popularity from bands like Paramore, Panic at the Disco, Fallout Boy. All of them went through this label, and Forgive Durden was primed to, to be the next breakout success for this label. So <laughs> they put out an album called Wonderland uh, in 2006. Um, pretty good. Nothing really remarkable. Um, frontman Thomas Dutton wakes up one day to find out that his entire band has left him. He is the only member of Forgive Durden um, one day in 2007. So he decides to take this opportunity to hole up in his house for a year. Uh, he electronically composes um, with the help of one drummer um, and co-writes lyrics with his brother to a musical, um, essentially a concept album that calls itself a musical. Um, not really in the traditional format of a musical. Uh, there's narration, track, narration, track, narration, track. And he brought in, um, uh, after he completed all the tracks, uh, he um, did, he like remotely produced vocals um, for all of the different characters. Um, and then the album came out in 2008 and I will hold off there because we, um, let's, let's talk a little bit about your, uh, let's talk a little bit about your thoughts. So, you introduced this album to me. You said, Zach, I know what you're going to listen to. It's Razia's Shadow. It is a pop-punk musical with orchestration. <laughs> and I, I said, holy shit, I like all of those three things. I'm going to love this. Um, and I did for a while. And as it uh -oh. went on, I stopped uh -oh. liking it as much. Uh-oh. Um, so I'm going to give the brief summary based on, I guess, what I am looking at and what I remember. Um, this is a story in two parts. Um, the first part is kind of like a prologue. Um, it's the story of Arima and Nidria, who are two uh, kind of cherubs, angels, something like that. Within this um, overall hierarchy, which is overseen by O the Scientist. O, the letter O. <laughs> o. Um, <laughs> o. O, the Scientist. <laughs> Have you ever seen um, the the video of Christopher Walken narrating Poker Face? Yes, I have. Okay. So yeah, uh, Arima and Nidria are the two sheriffs who have been kind of helping to create the world. Um, Arima is frustrated that his skills are not being used correctly. Um, and he goes to complain to O the Scientist. Who promptly proceeds to not give a single shit. Right. Um, Arma creates these cool lamps, which are meant to, like, show his love to Nidria. O sees it and doesn't really acknowledge it. He kind of smiles and that's it. Um, a spider, uh, named Barias, 
comes and tells Arima, like, listen, they're, they're screwing you here. You know, doesn't, doesn't it make you angry? Go knock those lamps down. Go burn it down. And, uh, he does. And he gets exiled to this nasty landscape, or this nasty wasteland that he's created. And everyone else goes off to the land of the light, which is what they call it. There's a big wall dividing the land of the dark and the land of the light. The album cover depicts this as uh, this great big mountain uh, with essentially two faces cut in half. There's the dark and the light. I looked at that album cover. You know what I saw? Jabba the Hutt. Oh, stop it. And Neapolitan ice cream. Oh, would you stop? (laughs) Would you stop? Would Um, you stop? (laughs) Uh, So that's the first act. And that sets up the scene for the second act where Atticaius is Prince of the Dark and Pallas is also Prince of the Dark. Atticaius wants to leave. He doesn't like it. He wants to go to the, the land of the light. And he finally goes. He meets um, Anura, who is princess of the light. Um, so Atticaius and Anura fall in love. Um, Anura starts getting sick because Atticaius is, is from the dark and Anura is from the light. And she's like getting corrupted almost by it. Um, he brings her to a doctor... And I didn't quite get this part. It's like a weird, creepy doctor that wants to keep her as a a, a sex slave or a yeah, pleasure yeah, that's, a pleasure that's, princess. That's essentially it. Like, um, he he says he'll he'll take care of her, um, and make sure that she doesn't she's not afflicted by this anymore. But in in response in in exchange, since they don't have payment, um, he gets to keep her essentially. Right. Um, and then I guess he says, yeah, you have to do it or else you're going to die. Um, Pallas, Atticaius's brother, comes in and says, hey, I'm going to super kill her because I'm upset with you for leaving. And then he kills Atticaius by accident. And that's the sacrifice that brings the world together. Um, it fell apart for me a little bit at the end, I guess. Yeah. It's... And, I, and, and I listened to this like three or four times. But I mean, that's so all, all of that is to say, like, this is a pretty straightforward story, I guess. Yeah. Like the first part is, you know, there's there's two angels and one of them betrays the other and they separate and there's two kingdoms. And then the second part is this guy runs away and falls in love with the princess and he ends up sacrificing himself to save her. And that brings the like. That's kind of the problem I had with this as I listened to it more. Like, it's a very bare-bones story. I think that's likely because Thomas Dutton was more focused on, you know, having the structure of a musical with reprises in lyrics and in melodies. Um, There are many callbacks to, like, place your hand on mine, untie your mind. Um, Don't you ever feel like you've been... Don't, you know, stuff like, you know, writing right, right. lyrics over the, the course of the album. Um, and that's cool. Um, but it's just like, it's called a musical and it's in, I guess, three acts. It's in, it's in three acts twice. Um, but it's it's just so simple. Yeah. There's, there, there's some neat, there's some neat wordplay there, but like, it just doesn't have, when you say musical to me, I'm, I'm a musician. I I was an oboist for 11 years. You know, I've played in musical theater and I have that background. But 
when you say musical, I think of something like Sweeney Todd or like even if I say South Pacific, that's a pretty simple story, but it still has some of that kind of like subplots, I guess, almost. Sure. You know, and, and this doesn't have that. It's, it's very one dimensional. Um, you know, that's that's what bothers me about the story. Um, and I think what I what I think we can both attest to and say that is um, a plus for the album is the cast. I think everybody sounds, everyone sounds different and eccentric. Um, I think all the characters are interesting to listen to. Uh, standout performances are uh, Nick Newsham as the king um, in Meet the King. Uh, Sean Mendes for the matches as uh, the doctor in uh, Doctor Doctor. And uh, one, um, Brendan Yuri actually as Palace is also very good. Um, it's pretty, yeah, he's pretty good. Um, I don't think Thomas Dutton is very. I think he's probably the most boring voice in the entire. Um, no, yeah, and and that super took me out of it at the end. Um, in the end of the beginning, which is the final track, there's this scene where um, Atticus has been stabbed and he's dying, and brother, no. Yeah, Palace is like sobbing, like please don't die, and it's all very dramatic, and then. He he's like one he two like, three four like, yeah I'm dying. It's this very, it's this very not musical, um, not theatrical way to die, yeah. and it super doesn't work. Um. So yeah, I think story wise, it does kind of fall apart there at the end. Um. Let's talk about the narrator a little bit. Aaron Weiss oh is the vocalist from Me Without You. Um. He. Is, uh, why don't you uh tell me a little bit about that, Zach? I'm I'm gonna give you the same image that I gave you on Facebook as we were discussing this. Every time he says a line and let me, let me back up. There's some cool wordplay in this. Like the, the rhymes are interesting. There's some cool meter going on. Every time he delivers one of these, especially wordplay lines, I feel like he's, he's like tipping his hat a little and kind of looking at me and smirking. Like, yeah, I just fucking said that. Like, it's just this smug-sounding asshole narrator. He felt his aptitude and slate were being misused. Shamed. He repined this to O the scientist, who replied with a calm voice, expressionless. Like, it's, that's, if you listen to me without you, um, particularly, um, Ten Stories or Brother Sister, um, that's very just much how he is, and that's how he talks, and that's how, that's, that's just who he is. And I mean, and I, I have to assume that his band is very good or else they wouldn't be a band, but like I, it doesn't, it, the delivery is off yeah. and it makes me not want to listen to the narrator by the end of it. Also, I hate the line Casanova's have been charmed. So she, <laughs> what is the line? It's that entire sequence where like princess Honoria is going through all of the different kinds of people who have tried to like to try to, to woo her. Mm -hmm. is just a lot. And it doesn't help that his delivery of and I'm the one she chose is like not convincing whatsoever. Um, so it's tough to it's tough to judge this as a concept album and not to as a musical. Um, I, but that's that, but that's important because that's kind of the concept. It's the concept is this is a musical and it's built as a musical and the story is musical in nature. It's a it's a three act double feature, and it doesn't work the way they've built it. And it's frustrating for me because, like, like I said, this is all you said, pop punk. Yeah, like 
orchestration. Yeah. All right. Musical. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Concept album. I'm in. And it doesn't work. And it's so frustrating to me that it doesn't work because I want to love this album. So I have a little bit of good news for you. Um, first, I just wanted to mention um, after this album was released, first of all, this album didn't sell. Okay. Uh, it did. It did 3000 copies its first weekend to put that into perspective to, for people. Kevin Federline sold more albums than this did. <laughs> Popo Zhao sold more albums in its first weekend than this did. Now, to be it fair, was... Kevin Federline did appear on WWE to promote his album. Y'all want to hear me rap? He also beat John Cena. Holy shit. Have you never seen uh, that? No, I haven't. Oh, we man. should watch it. Um, so, um, after this album came out... Um, the label decided to release the instrumentals for the initial Razia Shadow album um, for anybody who wanted to do like a local community production of this. Okay. Um, which um, there, if you go on YouTube, there are some that um, use this the this version of um, the musical um, and the songs from this musical, uh, and they're okay, I guess. See, I I I would I would watch somebody's like presentation of this. I, I would watch somebody doing this because what you mentioned to me is that the people who came in, the, the special guests that came in to record weren't really prepped that well for these parts. That's right. Yeah. They like showed up, they were told who they were and what their role was and what kind of the, what, what kind of to expect going in. But yeah, so this is like, the, these were the first proper performances of Razia's shadow, which, you know, it's, um, you know, they've been prepping for weeks or months at a time and they, they're able to give, I think much more convincing performances overall and even add in the little stuff on their own. Um, I wanted to mention when this album first came out and the instrumentals first dropped out, um, I and a group of, um, I used to be uh, part of a, a specific community of performers and I, um, had everybody, I cast a bunch of different people as these different roles, and I played Arima and Atticaius, and we actually did our own version of the musical. Oh, nice. Um, it is long gone. You will never find it. I, will, <laughs> you, I guarantee you, you can try and find it. You won't. Um, so in 2012, so after this came out, he kind of made it his pet project to retool it and rework it as a musical that would someday go on Broadway. So in, there's a, a, a YouTube video series of Thomas Dutton and a bunch of musicians and some vocalists who are doing an, um, a reading of a new version of Razia's Shadow that um, was performed in 2012 at a cafe in New York City. Okay. Um, and from what I understand, he's still, he's still working on it. He's still tuning it. Uh, he's got a new band called Cardinox that he's kind of been, it's kind of taken up all of his time. But Razia's Shadow is something that he has still continued to improve and work on. Okay. Um, so if you're interested, um, listen to the, the first iteration and then go and find the, the next one from 2012. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. Because, like, I really want to like this album. If he can improve on it and make it listenable for me like I, I would be thrilled <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back with our final thoughts don't go anywhere all right zach um so i think one of the big things that we can sort of talk about is um what we learned and that is 
Sometimes you listen to something, sometimes you go into something, you, you try something, doesn't click with you with the way you would hoped. Yeah. Um, sometimes, no matter how hard you try, no matter how good something sounds, you try it and it isn't good. <laughs> so let's 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 make this formal. Um, how about this week? Let's rate these albums using a lyric from the album. Okay. I know cool. I'm putting you on the spot because we definitely didn't do any pre-production on this, but what do you think? Sure. Okay. We definitely didn't do any pre-production on this. <laughs> I'm winking into the microphone. I will give Neutral Milk Hotels in the aeroplane over the sea a two-headed boy out of five. <laughs> Zach, what would you give Resi a shadow? I am going to give it It Must Hurt So Bad with a Knife in Your Back. I <laughs> I was betrayed by this album. Oh, oh, oh! They don't understand. I don't understand. So, I mean, like, as... And that's kind of, like, the listener doesn't really care for what you're listening to. At the same time, the person... Who, like, you, rec- you as the person who recommended something, it's kind of a bruised tear ego, you know? Because it's like... Um, you can sort of take it as a, a personal attack on your tastes and what you like. So um, I was a little bummed that you didn't really care for this. Um, I'm sure you have different feelings because, um, you know, uh, my connection to Razia Shadow is very strong and I, I, I love it dearly for all of its flaws. I'm personally upset that you did not like my semen covered and Frank metaphor. <laughs> oh my God. Zach Blaze 2017. <laughs> On behalf of all of us here, thank you very much, um, Zach and myself. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash show. You can tweet us um, with suggestions or give us some feedback at show using the hashtag that wasn't so bad. Leave off the apostrophe for savings. You can also, which one did we forget? You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash. I just said that. You can find us on Twitter at at Just Try It Show. Uh, Zach, Zach. You can email us at Just Try It Show at gmail.com. <laughs> Leave it in. Um, thank you so much for listening to the second episode of Just Try It. Um, we're going to try and get on track and do a, a bi-weekly format. Um... Stay tuned. We'll be announcing uh, the, our premise for episode three very soon. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh, in the meantime, we're out of here. Thank you very much. See you next time. Uh, Zach, tell me about Razia Shadow. I'm going to... I, I, uh, mm, mm, Razia Shadow... Razia Shadow is an album. Leave that in. <laughs>